0: And now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm excited today to have back on the show, Tracy Conan and Tracy and I are having a conversation today about finding hidden money. She has a new book out called Find Me the Money, and it's all about how to be your own forensic accountant, but also where to look, how to look. Just lots of great information here. So Tracy herself has been investigating fraud for more than 25 years. Um, interestingly enough, she didn't always want to be a forensic accountant. She actually wanted to be a prison warden. And so with that in mind, she got a degree in criminology, and then it was a class on financial crime investigations um, that reminded her how much she loved Encyclopedia Brown when she was a kid. And so she continued her criminology degree, but added accounting and economics to it and became a CPA. And then here she is combining all of those loves, finding money in cases of corporate fraud high net worth divorce, and other financial shenanigans. Uh, before I give you my conversation with Tracy Conan, I just want to remind you that this coming Friday, Friday, May 12th, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, I am co-hosting a screening of the film Split Up the Teen Years with Christina McGee. And award-winning filmmaker Ellen Bruno. You can get tickets to that event. Uh, it's a one-time event. There will not be a replay, but you can get tickets at kateanthony.com/slash split. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Tracy Conan. Tracy, thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast.
1: Always a pleasure. I am so happy to be back again. I love that I have enough to talk about that we can have a repeat performance because there's always lots of talk about when it comes to the money and hidden money and secret spending and shadiness, right? Yeah. <laughs> isn't there though, isn't there
0: always something to talk about? So much to talk about that you wrote a book about this. This is your fourth book, which I just, I'm like, I bow down, um, but this is your new book is called Find Me the Money, Take Control, Uncover the Truth, and Win the Money You Deserve in Your Divorce.
1: Yes. That's it. Yes. So, win the money you deserve. Because win the money you deserve. Too, too many women in particular are leaving money on the table in their divorces, right? The money is a hard topic. Especially if you haven't been in control of the money. You've been the mm-hmm. person who has, you know, been a little bit hands off with it. And now it's time for you to assert your autonomy and take some control back and say, this is my part of the money that I deserve. It's hard. Yes, it is hard.
0: Well, yeah. And I love the idea that, like, no, I do deserve it, right? There's so. <laughs> Women, especially women who have been stay-at-home moms, right? Let's have this sense, and especially women who have been stay-at-home moms with men who are asserting this, they feel like it's his
1: money. Right. It is so important, the language that we use surrounding dividing up the money in divorce, because what is typically said is he's going to give you half of the retirement account. No, no, no. No, I like to say, no, the retirement account is going to be divided. Nobody's giving anyone because we own this together. So it's going to be divided. I, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so
0: important. That is so, I love that language. I hadn't even thought, right? He's giving me, I'm, you know, he's going to give me the house and he's going to, right? Like, no, no. These are all, listen, whether you have worked, outside of the home or not, these are marital
1: assets, right? plain and simple. Well, and the flip side, the flip side of that language is we tend to say someone is taking half of the house or taking part of the paycheck. Nobody is taking. Again, we are dividing the marital assets. We are dividing the marital earnings. We may be dividing someone's paycheck after the divorce. Yes, because child support needs to be paid. Spousal support needs to be paid. But I really want to get away from that language of someone giving and someone taking because that is not what it is. And if we could, I know it sounds so simple and so silly, but if we could change that language consistently out there, it would help advance the cause so much.
0: Yes, yes. There's so much in this language that, you know, I I have a whole episode actually with Christina McGee on the language of divorce, right? And how, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we use like, you know, especially when it comes to children, right? About... Like custody, right? Like maybe we could call it parenting time instead of custody because custody sounds like they're inmates, <laughs> right?
1: The only right. other
0: time that we use that word <laughs> is when we're talking about, you know, inmates, right? So um right. there's just there's a lot of language that we um, you know, one of the things that I that I really, really rail against in terms of language is the idea that you're asking your partner to help with the children no right no or help in the kitchen that assumes it's your job and that they are just there as like a support right no we both exist in this home there are duties we both have these children there are duties that we each need to have anyway we could go off on a on a on a language tangent forever but um I I do think it's important. The words that we use around this are so important. It is not his money. It is not, you are not taking anything. He's not giving you anything. We are dividing our
1: assets. Right. Well, and when I talk about winning the money you deserve in your divorce, I intentionally chose the word win. Now, I'm a believer that nobody wins in divorce, it's an icky process but it's a necessary process. To the extent that we can come out of it feeling like we got a fair shake, like we got our fair share of the assets, like we got the best outcome we could under the circumstances, or we got a reasonable outcome under the circumstances, I feel like that's a win. But I felt like the word win itself is so powerful. And for women, especially, this is something I want them to start embracing. Now, this book, Find Me the Money, is written for women guys, if you're listening, feel free to buy it. You're going to learn a lot. But I really wrote it with women in mind. And I felt that that word win was so empowering. And that's why I wanted to focus on that.
0: Yeah. Right. It's not about winning at all costs or like no cutthroat or ruthless. It's just, this is, it's, it's winning the process for, for yourself, your own and personal empowerment.
1: Right. And when it comes to the money, you know, the law says you're entitled to certain things. Fairness dictates that you should get certain things coming out of this divorce. And that's what I want you to win. I want you to win that fair settlement. I see women in particular leaving money on the table in divorce, mm. walking away from a share of the retirement account or walking away from a share of the house because they just want to be done with it, or they just want to try to minimize conflict and i'm here to say like let's let's go for it a little bit like let's stand strong and fight for what we're entitled to there may be a time when you say okay enough and it's time to walk away and settle it but not right away mhm yeah yeah so so tell tell us what what's the book about you actually
0: have this in a in a
1: in story form right <laughs> so it is in story form because i wanted it intentionally to be a very easy read It is the story of Jackie, who uh, married Derek, someone that she started dating in college. They both had careers. And about 10 years ago, she left her career in marketing to become a stay-at-home mom. And they had three kids. And here we are today. uh, Jackie has found out that Derek's having an affair. They're getting a divorce. She knows he has spent money on his affair partner. And she doesn't know how to untangle that all and figure out how much he has spent or has he hidden any money? Because she took a hands-off approach in the last several years to the money. She trusted him, let him handle it all, which is so common and nothing to be ashamed of. But now she's trying to figure out what's happened with the money, and I walk through the process that she goes through.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how, like, how do people know if someone's hiding money? Like, what,
1: what are some of the signs? Like, what are, how are we, like, how do we know? I think in large part, there is a gut feel that goes along with it. Mm. You know, some people are just generally suspicious of their spouses at divorce time. And that's one thing. But when you have something a little more tangible, a little more specific that you can point to. We always talk about red flags of fraud, and we talked about that the last time I was with you. We talked a lot about red flags. When Mm -hmm. you see signs where their behavior is changing related to the money, when they're restricting your access to information, especially Mm -hmm. if they didn't really restrict the access before, but now all of a sudden you feel like you're kind of shut out of the information. When money seems to be disappearing and you don't know why or weird things happen. My spouse always gets a year end bonus. And this year he said he didn't, you know, these, and when these weird things, these signs stack up, when you're seeing two, three, four, five of these weird things, I think, you know, that something is going on. Yeah.
0: Right. And in, in this case in the book, right. There's uh, how does, how does Jackie know? How does she, what does she find that she
1: can sort of goes, Oh, wait a minute. Well, she decided to start packing up some of Derek's clothing and stuck in the bottom of a dresser drawer where his off-season clothes were, where she Mm -hmm. would never have any reason to look, there were some credit card statements for a credit card she didn't know he had. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a secret credit card is one of the most common ways that uh, money is hidden. You know... They're using the secret credit card for spending they don't want you to know about, often in a fair partner. And so this is something Jackie discovered, this credit card. Um, She did something really, really smart, which is she saw these receipts and credit card statements. She took pictures of all of them, tucked them back in where they were, and immediately stopped packing up things for him, put it all back where it was so that he wouldn't know that she found something. Right, right.
0: Mm. And so like, okay, so let's say there's a credit card because that's really common right and you figure out there's a credit card so first of all does that affect you right if if your partner has a credit card even if it's just in their
1: name right isn't that marital debt so it it generally is going to be marital debt, so that's a problem because you could end up being on the hook for it. Um, I would say it's less likely if it's in his name only that you would be held responsible for it legally, but it can. And it you know state laws vary in all this kind of right, complexity. Right. Right. To me, what's more important with this credit card is how much of our family's money has been going to pay this credit card, and what were the charges on the credit card? Was it for an affair? Was it for purchasing something expensive, the Top Golf game that is not in our house? Um, what about the the iPad that is not in our house that maybe an affair partner has or something? Who knows what that money could have been spent on? And we want to know because that was our family's money.
0: So you have the divorce money guide that I do. we have talked about. And so, how does the book relate or tie in to the divorce money guide?
1: The Divorce Money Guide is the online handbook that I made last year uh, to help people who have concerns about the money, need to get their arms around the money, but are not in a position to hire a forensic accountant. So they need to kind of do it yourself in this case. And the Divorce Money Guide, fantastic resource. You know, What do you do? You buy it, you watch some videos, you gather some statements, you find the money. Done deal. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to make something that was a little more accessible at a much lower price point a book is it right it's right. something where if you have concerns about the money and you're like oh my god i'm not buying a thing to help me find the money how would i ever do this for me no. this book was a way to really take the divorce money guide process and make it tangible to people make it understandable what is this what is this all about and so by walking through Jackie's process that she goes through and how she uncovers what happens it really illustrates for you that it is possible to untangle the money and figure out what's happened.
0: Right. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you and I do similar, like, you know, have similar, I guess, you know, theories or whatever um, feelings about this, which is that, like, we want to make our work as accessible as possible to as many people as possible, because divorce is a really expensive time in people's lives. And, you know, not everyone can afford to do, um, you know, an online program like yours or mine, right? Which is why I have the
1: podcast, (laughs) you know, I'm writing my book, like all of it, right? It's expensive. It's overwhelming. Um, I talk in the book about the five secret thieves of divorce. Mm. These thieves are stealing your joy from your life. And one of the thieves is overwhelm right? This process is so overwhelming. There's so much to do. And so the concept of me saying, oh yeah, just go get all your statements and look at them all and figure out what the money is spent on. Yeah, that'll be great. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds very overwhelming. But the book hopefully shows readers that it doesn't have to be that complicated because I will tell you, Kate, in probably 95% of divorces, if the spouse is hiding money, spending it inappropriately, it's not that complicated. Even the smart guys and smart women who are trying to hide money always make mistakes, and it's not that complicated. And here's why. Because when your spouse has complete control over the money and knows that you're not looking at the statements and you're not paying any attention, they get really sloppy. They don't care. They will make a transfer from your joint account to their secret account and another bank because they think you're not looking at the statements and you're never going to know. Well, guess what? At divorce time, it's not real hard to find that transfer. And it is literally that easy. The people who are going through the divorce money guide are finding it that easy to find that transfer, that cash withdrawal for time ten thousand dollars from the bank account, you know the ATM withdrawals, the the spending at the hotels. It's not that complicated once I tell you where to look.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are things I really should have looked at. I mean, real like I'm thinking back, and I'm like, yeah, I really. I probably should have looked at all of those things, and I didn't. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So, so what are the other five? You said there are five
1: thieves, five secret thieves of divorce: shame, yes. mm. betrayal, mm-hmm. isolation, insecurity, and overwhelm. Mm. And as you can imagine, because every good story you know, has this crescendo at the end. Jackie has conquered the five secret thieves and she now feels pride, restoration. She feels supported and accomplished and she feels very empowered.
0: I can imagine going through this process would be really empowering for especially women who have been disempowered around money for as long as they may have been to... And, and again, it's it, it not necessarily about like beating him at his game or like it's not like a revenge power, no, right. It's like a I am I am now I'm empowered with knowledge. I'm empowered with um my own power, right over over money, right? like this person is no longer controlling me
1: in this way. Exactly. And you don't even have to go all the way through the process and dig through all the taxes and the statements in order to feel that empowerment. Because I have clients that I work with who have gone so far as they've gotten bank statements and tax returns in their hands, finally, after begging and begging, you know, and and their spouse not giving them documents. And they finally go through this process and get the documents on their own. And they end up not looking at a whole lot. Just the act of getting those documents and having them in their hands and saying I could look at them if I want to is means the world to some people. It's amazing. I know it sounds silly but it is.
0: No, I just think about like, you know, there is a certain pa- and maybe it's cuz I'm like, you know, a weird geek, right? But the idea of like getting a stack of documents and like going through stuff with a highlighter and like that feels
1: to me like so empowering. Right. So we use the highlighter method in the divorce money guide. I talk about four <laughs> colors of highlighters. like I am old school with this, like literally print these statements, green highlighters for paychecks, pink highlighter for the stuff you know is bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So absolutely. Oh God, I love it. I love it. what are the other what are the other ones? Do you mind telling us what the other what the other two are? Um, yellow is something you have to ask a question about. Uh-huh. and blue is credit card state credit card payments. And you're like, Mm -hmm. why credit card payments? Because this is one way that we find the secret credit card. They need to add they need to add up, right? Well, not even that, even simpler than that. I just Uh. want you to go through a bank statement and highlight every time a credit card is being paid. And then go back and count. If you know that your family has one Citibank credit card that you both normally use, and you go through a year's worth of bank statements and you have highlighted 18 payments to Citibank, Houston, you have a problem because. Uh. When I ask people, why do you think that that would happen, that there would be 18 payments? The usual answer I get is, well, maybe at some months he split it up into two payments instead of paying it once, maybe. Or maybe he has a second Citibank credit card that you never knew about because he got one at the same place you already have a credit card at so that if you did see a payment there, you wouldn't be suspicious, (laughs) right? Right? Right. Right. And
0: he opened it six months ago, right? Right. Because that's 18, right? Uh Uh-huh. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Wait, that's me. I know I have a lot of podcast episodes for you to get through, and it can be really, really overwhelming to try and figure out where to start or to comb through which ones might be uh, appropriate for you, whether you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or you're already on the other side of the divorce process. Like, how do you know what to listen to? I have solved the problem for you. All you have to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and I will send you a curated list of podcast episodes to best support you as you navigate these tricky waters. I'll also help you identify where you currently stand on this journey and what's ahead with resources to help you move through this process with knowledge and grace. So all you need to do is go to katanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and you will have your curated list of podcast episodes that will support you wherever you are in your journey. And now
1: back to our show. Getting the documents is so key. One of the things we talk about a lot that I see happening in divorce is one of the spouses holding the tax returns hostage. Oh, yes. It's just so dumb because you both have a legal right to them. And and so they want to, you know, they have copies of tax returns and won't give them to you. Or you have a tax preparer and they call a tax preparer and say, don't give my wife the tax return. And the stupid tax preparer like goes along with it. What do you do? I teach you how to go directly to the IRS and get it without your spouse. Like literally in 10 minutes, you can have your tax returns from the IRS. 10 minutes. You have to have signed that thing.
0: Right. So right. so it is legally yours.
1: It is legally yours. If it's a tax return with your name on it, you can get it. Now, in many cases, you haven't signed it because your spouse filed it without you signing it and just said, Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So so I just want to put that out there in case anyone hasn't actually signed the tax returns and thinks, Oh my god, maybe I can't get them. If mm-hmm. your name is on the tax return as one of the taxpayers, you have a right. Whether you signed it or not, we'll deal with that later. Okay. Okay.
0: Legally, don't we have to sign our own tax returns? Like if our names
1: are on it? Well, because everyone is, is filing electronically these days, you're right. supposed yeah. to sign a form that says, yes, I consent yeah. to this being filed. But what's happening right. a lot is the spouse is forging your name yeah, on that form. Or right. if you guys are filing on your own, let's say you do it yourself with TurboTax, mm-hmm. your spouse can just hit send right. on that electronic sign. return without any signature. And so there's a lot of situations where someone hasn't signed anything.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Okay. So, yeah, you go right. I mean, the, the, the
1: form is filed with the IRS. So, you go to the IRS and you get it. The other great thing is not only are you going to get your tax return from the IRS, you are going to get all the communications that the IRS may have sent you. So, for someone who has tax troubles, who maybe got audited or maybe had balances due or had to file amended returns if that sounds familiar to you all of that is going to be on your account with the IRS and you can get copies of all those letters all those communications it's amazing and so what happens
0: if you find out with the IRS like that you are you have been sort of you know an unwitting partner to whether it could be tax fraud or like payments that you did not authorize and it's all in your name is on it like what's your recourse
1: with the IRS it's complicated especially depending of course on what the situation is most of the time what we're seeing is that a spouse is seeing that that their husband cheated on the tax returns or something like that and is worried about being held responsible for that or is thinking maybe do i report him is there an outstanding balance due that I'm going to be responsible for? All those things are really important. Across the board, my best advice is the first thing we want to do is A, find out if you can be in trouble and what for. So we're going to talk to a tax attorney who can advise you on you know, what are the potentials here, what might happen to you. Mm-hmm. But- I like if we can. I'd like to keep the focus on settling the divorce. I want you to get your money in this divorce and walk away before we get the IRS involved. Because one of the things I hear a lot is, "I'm going to call the IRS on him." Oh no, you are not. Even if he is fully to blame and going to be held fully responsible, you are going to get your money first in this divorce. Right? Because you the call IRS. the
0: IRS, then they're going to get their money, and you're not going to get yours.
1: Right? They're going to be in line <laughs> first. So, you know, so that's a
0: bad idea. Right. That's a very good point, Tracy. (laughs) We are learning so much today, aren't we? Oh, yes. 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 Like, sure, get him for tax fraud, but like, first get your, your money. Oh, wow. That's a really good point. Okay. So if you find that there is, you know, spending on all this, all this stuff that is not yours, right? That, and you, like there's this thing, innocent spouse, right? Like how does that, what does that mean? And what? how does it play into the process here?
1: In the tax realm, if there is some sort of fraud or massive balance due, some unusual situation like that, there are times where one spouse didn't know what was going on and doesn't want to be held responsible for that. In that case, you can file for something called innocent spouse relief. Where the IRS could say, okay, you are not going to be held responsible for this, you know, massive amount that's due. Only the other spouse will be held responsible for it. It can work out really well to file for innocent spouse release relief, but it is not a slam dunk. You have to be able to prove certain things in order to qualify for that. The IRS takes a position that if you looked at the tax return and signed it, that you were saying, I'm agreeing to be held responsible for this. And, and if anyone out there is a tax expert, don't get all over for me for my really, really basic explanation of it. But innocent spouse relief is difficult to get. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely go for it if you are in a position where this was not your doing, but know that you have to go through certain steps in order to win that one. Yeah,
0: right. And And I think that is the most important part that like, if you signed it, you signed off on it. Mm -hmm. right? Like that's, that's kind of the deal, you know, for anyone who has not gone through and we're sort of in tax time for those who may have filed for extensions, right? Like don't sign anything that you haven't gone through with a fine tooth comb. Make sure you understand what you're signing.
1: Of course, it's difficult because one of the things that happens in many of these marriages, where are the, where there are the money issues that I get involved in is one spouse is exerting a lot of control and is putting papers in front of you and having you sign them without letting you look at them, saying, trust me, trust me, it's the same as it always was. And so I can't tell you how many contracts, wills, tax returns my clients have signed without having an opportunity to read them, but they were not at the time empowered to push back.
0: Yeah. I had a client who her husband's family... Very wealthy and very powerful, and they went to the Cayman Islands every year for vacation. And in the Caymans, she was handed a bunch of papers that she was just to, to blindly sign, and she did. And I was like, "There's, there's, uh, there's money there. Like right. you're not in the Cayman Islands signing papers for fun." <laughs>
1: like, yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely place to go for a vacation. But if you're signing papers there of a legal nature, it's because there's money there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of money there. Oh, my goodness. So what are some other ways, some sneaky ways that husbands may hide money besides like, you know, a secret credit card? Right. Because that's not that's not all that sneaky at the end of the day.
1: It's not Come all up that seeky, but it's so common, and it's something people are overlooking and not thinking yeah. a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, cash withdrawals, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, are really a common way. And so sometimes it's going into a bank branch and taking out 1000 thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand 2000 5000 $10,000 at a time. Sometimes it's going to an ATM machine repeatedly. Now, I don't know about you, Kate, but I don't use a lot of cash these days. I use no. a debit card. I use a credit card. That's yeah. what I use when I'm out and about. Um, and so, if your family is like that, but you are looking at bank statements and you see a period in time where this changes and your spouse started going to that ATM weekly, multiple times a week, you know, that is a really common way for someone to get money to spend on things that you will never know about or to get money to stockpile that money literally mm-hmm. in a shoebox, in a safe deposit box. Or they take out the cash and then go put it in a secret bank account somewhere. And then they just accumulate that over time. We Some of this we call divorce financial planning
0: mm. right. I was going to say, like, you know, because a lot of women who are in abusive situations, right? we recommend this. Now we're yes. not asking you to hide the money, but we are asking you to, you know, to take out this money so that you actually have, right get, right, get visa gift cards at checkout, get cash back. Because if you are financially
1: disempowered, this is often the only way that you can get out. Right. And so what I recommend in those situations is you are temporarily hiding that money, you are accumulating right. some money. And I do recommend keeping a record of it so that somewhere down the road in the divorce that you're disclosing, here's what I here's what I took and here's what I spent it on so that you can't be accused of being the shady one with the money, right? Right,
0: right. And usually if you're the financially disempowered one, you're taking out like a hundred bucks at a time because you're trying, right? You're not taking out 10 grand. (laughs) Right. Right, yes. And that's the important part is like actually the financial disclosures. When you're getting into the divorce and you say, this is the money that I have, Right. It's the money that's not disclosed
1: that you are concerned about. Right. 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 Because if it's not disclosed, then it's hidden. And the thing that sucks is you might have a spouse who is very prone to lying and cheating and hiding. And you're saying. Tracy, you're asking me to be above board with this and you're asking me to voluntarily disclose something that I know my spouse would never disclose and he's going to get away with all this stuff and I'm going to get the shaft because I'm disclosing this in the divorce and I completely recognize that problem for what it is and it feels really, really unfair. The best thing I can say about it though is just that there's so many things to fight about in the divorce and there's so much mudslinging and I want you to look like the little you know the the innocent one i want you to be looking completely honest in this because right. it, it will help you in the case
0: and and that's you know i always talk about you know keep your side of the street squeaky ass clean don't give him anything to come after you with and if you end up finding going through this process going through the divorce money guide or using your book as a guide to find things that they've hidden they're the one that looks bad and they're the ones that'll get the the penalty. Yes. You don't want yes. that. Those penalties. You don't want that levied against you. Correct. Okay. So other other common ways that they hide money. So cash withdrawals, credit cards.
1: Well, sticking with the cash theme is doing things like cash jobs. You know, people in the process of divorce oftentimes, some of their work tends to convert to cash mysteriously, or they, you know, they lose their job, they quit their job, and then they pick up something else that is a cash type of job. That might be um, a bartending job where the bulk of their compensation is cash tips. That might be going to work for a friend of theirs who's a contractor and getting paid under the table. Uh, it's it's kind of a brilliant way to hide money because there's no paper trail there. And it's really hard for a judge to assign support when on paper, there's no income from which to pay support, right? Right. Yes, I've seen that a lot.
0: And what about this bonus situation? Like, I I, I do hear this a lot too. Like he gets a bonus every year. Suddenly he says he's not getting one this year. I find that hard to believe, but how do I prove
1: it? We have to subpoena the employer's records. We have to get the payroll records. We have to get the personnel file. Now, if your spouse is really chummy with their employer, especially if it's a small business, you better believe that they're covering up whatever has happened. But the subpoena of the records is our best first step Mm
0: -hmm. to seeing
1: if there is something. One of the things that I always recommend, too, is that there are provisions in your marital settlement agreement that allow you after the divorce is final, like every year we exchange tax information and wage information. That way, if there is such a bonus and the employer held it and paid it after the divorce was final, that's still going to catch up to him someday. Right. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. None of this is foolproof. And I get it. It is difficult and they are going out of their way to hide this money. And it's hard to uncover it. It's hard to prove it. And then it's hard to make the court make him pay. I get it.
0: How do you reconcile taking control and really and winning the money that you deserve with how many roadblocks there are and how hard, like at what point do, where's the balance, right? Where's the line at which you go? This is, it's too much. It's too, it's going to cost more right. than I'm going to find. Right. How do you assess that?
1: When I'm working one-on-one with people, it's easy for me to assess it because I've been doing this for 25 years. So I have people who come to me who want to retain me to help them with their divorce case, and we'll talk through what's going on. And I will say, listen, I would be happy to help you, but I don't think it's a good way to spend your money. And here's why. Mm -hmm. it's going to cost you more than you'll uncover. If he's used these particular methods, it's going to be difficult to prove, et cetera. So if I'm involved personally, I can help assess that, which is great. As an individual, it is really hard. You have to assess it on your own. And one of the things that we talk about in the divorce money guide is me saying, well, you have to kind of figure out how much is at risk. How much could really be hidden? Well, if you're in that position, you're saying, if I knew how much was hidden, I would not need the divorce money guide. Now would I? Right.
0: <laughs> right. But you also know, like, are you high net worth or right. not? Right. So like, is it is it the potential right. for tens and right. hundreds of thousands or is exactly. it like, the potential for like 3,000?
1: Right. So we talk about <laughs> how much does your family earn? How much realistically do you think could go missing without you noticing? And that helps sort of establish a baseline for it. So what I recommend to people is that you start working through the process and no matter if it is a thousand dollars that could be missing or a million dollars that could be missing, I want you to get the bank statements and the credit card statements. I want you to at least go through a year's worth of them line by line, looking at the transactions to see if there's anything that doesn't pass muster for you. You know, your family, you know, that if you see, um, we normally shop at Target and there are some charges at a Target store an hour away from your house. You know that that's not normal, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know that a hotel across town multiple times is not normal. So it can be pretty simple to go through these statements. So no matter how much is on the line, I want you going through and checking to see what you see. And then you'll have an idea of potentially how much is missing. And then you can decide, do we put more effort towards this? Because you're right. It, it costs money to litigate it and go after it. So it may or may not be worth it.
0: If you find, say, this Citibank credit card, like you can't go through it line by line because you don't have access to that account. It's not in your name. Not yet. How do you, not how yet, do you get yet. it? Yes. <laughs> how do you get it?
1: Right. So first thing I want you to do is add up those payments to that Citibank credit card that you never knew about so that we know how much spending is this. Right. If this is a few hundred dollars, like it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But regardless of how much it is, I, you can get those statements because your attorney is going to subpoena Citibank and say, give us all the records in the names of your spouse and yourself for this period of time. So you can get those records. You just can't get them on your own. You need to go through that legal process to get them. The important thing is we want to uncover that there is the existence of this. Or if you see you have been banking at Chase, that's where your joint account is. All of a sudden you see a transfer to an account at Wells Fargo. You never knew anything about banking at Wells Fargo. Then your attorney is going to subpoena Wells Fargo and see what's there. So the important thing is finding out the existence of an account. We can always get those records with subpoenas.
0: They think they're sneaky, but really (laughs) there are so many ways, right? Right. There are so many ways.
1: And they get arrogant and they get careless. They assume no one's ever going to look. So I don't have to hide it anymore. There are very often, you know, telltale signs, mistakes that are made. One of the stories I I tell a lot, if you listen to the last 30 podcasts I've been on, you probably will hear this story 25 times. And it's very simply a case where husband uh, secretly bought a property that his girlfriend lived in and wife obviously never knew about it. And he had a separate bank account that paid all the costs related to that property. And one month, he made an, a payment for the utility bills accidentally out of their joint checking account. And that's how we discovered that he had the property. It was as dumb as that. It was as dumb as that. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. And she would never have known.
1: She would never have known.
0: You know, sometimes I get weary of people's, just like how unnecessary,
1: right? Yes, it is. I could let the divorce work really make me bitter and negative. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. but I get so excited when we find out the truth. We don't always get the money back. We certainly don't always get the money back. But when we find out the truth, there is really something to be said for just knowing what has happened.
0: That's right. And in that sense, you really are winning, Mm -hmm. right? You're getting clarity. This person may not have been the person you thought they were, they're, you know, that it's built on maybe the the marriage has been built on a house of lies, and that is terrible. And that is not a win for anybody. But the win is in knowing
1: and being mm-hmm. able to take your power back. Right. And you're never gonna know every single detail. You're never gonna know it all. But getting on a, a larger scale more information about it is certainly very important.
0: Yeah. Tracy, thank you so much.
1: Thank I you love for having talking me. To you.
0: I'm so, I'm just so, so excited for this book. So, where can people find the book, you, the divorce money guide, all, all things, all things Tracy Conan?
1: They can find everything on one page. My website is fraudcoach.com because I am your coach, your fraud coach during your divorce and I made a landing page for your listeners. Very simple. Fraudcoach.com forward slash DSG for Divorce Survival Guide.
0: I love it. And everything is there. You have access to the book, the Divorce Money Guide, all things things Tracy. (laughs) Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you so much for this wealth of wisdom. And um, I'm really excited for this book launch.
1: Thanks again. I appreciate your support.